I, I want to bring you uh, in, in my teaching a good number of biblical witnesses to, to testify as to what I'm going to be preaching from Romans chapter 8. I'm bringing them from a number of sources and I want you to receive this today. And also, you are always free to say to Jesus, Jesus, help me understand, or Jesus, I don't understand. You can say those things to Jesus, but the Bible says that, that out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. And so God's word is, is forever settled in heaven, but when he preaches it or teaches it to us, uh, he corroborates it, you know, that is, he finds witnesses all over the Bible, different men uh, of God and even women of God uh, to have said something, and then he takes that to say, wait a minute, these are two witnesses that sometimes don't even know each other that are testifying, and then sometimes uh, Paul, we're going to use Paul, uh, the statements that he made to corroborate other statements that he made, but to different people. Uh, and uh, so let me start out by saying, look at it, 2 Peter chapter 3, 2 Peter chapter 3, look, let's look at verse 15. Let's put that up there if you have it. Peter tells us to consider that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation. I mean, God puts up with us a long, long time. There's some of us in here that God didn't have to put up with us until we were little kids and we got saved. And so five years, maybe six years. And then others of us, he's had to put up with a lifetime. Some of us were doing our own thing, but God was long suffering. And so since God is long suffering, he says, uh, the long suffering of our Lord is salvation. So that means that, that because God didn't judge us when we were teenagers, when we were young adults, uh, or even sometimes, you know, 50, 60 years old, uh, we came to the Lord, that it meant salvation for us. He goes on to say, as also our beloved brother, Paul, I, he uses the word beloved, and it's very, very important that he does. But he says, our beloved brother, Paul, according, listen, to the wisdom given to him. And uh, he says, has written to you. And what he's doing is he, he infers that this wisdom that Paul had was given by God to him, to him. And so God has given people uh, wisdom. I, I know, I know, I, I see you and I won't start to call names, but I know some of you are, have gifts and, and some of you have this wisdom. And when I need to know something, I talk to people who have wisdom, uh, the gift of wisdom, not worldly wisdom. So he saw, talks about God having given Paul wisdom. Uh, he says, he says, he has written, Paul, uh, to you as also in all his epistles. Now listen. What he's saying is, it's all of the epistles speaking in them of these things, these things that, Paul, that he's talking about, the, the Lord Jesus and salvation. He says, in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction, as they also, as they do also the rest of the scriptures. And so what he's saying is so many people just twist the scriptures. They are untaught, they're unlearned. They're untaught, of, uh, many of them, because they won't listen to anything that's different with it than what they already have. They're, they won't, they're untaught. And so you have to be careful rejecting things that people whose wisdom and lifestyle prove that they are walking with God. Yeah. Those things prove that. And then you reject them and you are uh, a novice 
at this thing. You haven't even read the Bible through. But, but you think the Holy Spirit is your feelings. You, have, you feel something and you think it's the Holy Spirit. It's not always the Holy Spirit. And, and you have to grow to do that. And the way you grow, you stay in, in the place where God put you. You don't just run here and there, you know, like, like the goose that wakes up every day. If you're a country person, the goose wakes up and seems like they have to inspect everything that they walked by the day before. So, so don't do that. Uh, we want to find out what Paul is saying. And he does say some things that are very difficult. Uh, and I, I don't want to go all into those right now. But he says to you, let me read this one more time. Peter says that he speaks in these epistles, all of his letters, and we call them books sometimes. He said, these things in which are some things hard to understand. And any one of us who has studied the Bible, I've studied the Bible all of, basically all of my life, and all of my life, and was afraid to do what I'm doing now in Romans. And I've read and studied and studied, but I was afraid. I don't want to be a teacher of Romans. Just let me preach some of the topical things. And so the Lord said, no, I want you to teach it. And so this is, this is what I'm, I'm endeavoring to do. Let's look at Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Paul says, based on, on what he has said heretofore, from Romans 8, I mean, from Romans chapter 1 through chapter 7, he's saying, based on his understanding of the law, and his understanding, I would say, was probably, no doubt, far superior than even all the other apostles. He, he lays out a systematic theology that I find today as I have studied profusely in Romans to give you something of the truth. I find that what he has written is all scattered through the New Testament. I said, oh my Jesus, have mercy on me. And then you find relevance and, and references all through the old. I said, Jesus, I'm X number of years old. You don't need to know. If you don't know, I'm not going to tell you today. But my, my granddaughter, one of my granddaughters told me when I, I don't remember how old I was, but she said, Papa, don't say that ever again. Don't ever say that. You don't tell anybody that you're that old. You know, I, I said something like I'm, I'm, more, I'm over half of a century. She said, oh, don't do that. <laughs> and so now I'm more than that, much more. But anyway, anyway, let's just leave that behind. Let me go back to the lesson. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. But Paul wants us to know that everybody who is in Christ is not condemned. And what he means by condemnation is, is a, a damnatory sentence, like a damnatory sentence, like being damned to hell. You're not going to get out once you go there. there there's no uh, good metal conduct for anybody in hell. You, you, you're in hell, you're there forever. Huh? Forever. You're not going to get out. There's no good behavior because there's all bad behavior. And you've been cemented in your bad behavior. But he says to the believer, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. He has he uh, shown us uh, without any mistakes, without any like vacillation or anything like that, that God placed us in Christ. 
And so he says, there is therefore now, based on everything he said, no condemnation of those who are in Christ, who do not walk according to the flesh. So he's not saying there are two categories of believers, those who walk according to the flesh and those who don't. He's just saying there's no condemnation uh, for those who are in Christ Jesus because those who are in Christ Jesus do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Oh, hallelujah, somebody. You know, what this is mean, does not mean that you cannot have here and there acts of failure. We all have acts of failure. Even the preacher who's preaching to you has acts of failure. Let somebody, you know, pull out in front of me and, and, and then act ugly and make all kinds of hand gestures. I say, help me, Lord. You know, you know what I'm saying? It's your fault, but you want to help me, Lord. So I'm always doing it. So we all have acts of failure. And, and, and maybe somebody answers me wrongly, and then I maybe raise my voice for just a tinge, a little bit. That's an act of failure. I did it just for a microsecond or two or three microseconds, but it was still an act of failure. Are you still with me? So he's saying, that's not what he's talking about. When he says, do, do not walk according to the flesh, you don't have a lifestyle of acting like fleshly people. You don't have a lifestyle of walking like people who don't know God. And if you have that, you're not saved yet. Keep coming. All right? Give yourself to the Lord and then take your hands off of that thing. That's what he's, he says. Now let's look at, oh, b before I go to the next verse. He says, but we, are, we walk according to the Spirit. And what he, what, that word according has to do with, with that which comes from the Spirit. Now I do know that the Spirit is in us now. He lives in us. You've got to get used to that. The Holy Spirit lives in you. I believe it was Watchman Nee who said that we would conduct our lives like with very with much reverence or caution uh, if we just knew if we knew the fact that the Holy Spirit lives in us and he said something like a Christian shouldn't even have a cold without learning something and so the Spirit lives in us but we must grasp the, the reality that the Spirit comes down according to the Spirit so we walk according to the Spirit as, as the Holy Spirit on high, God himself coming down to us, informing us, enabling us as to how we ought to walk. All right, that's, that's just real. Yeah, thank you so much. In Galatians 5.16, so Paul says again, so we want to bring his letter to the Galatians. He is telling the Galatians how to walk. Now, now listen, everybody in this house, you know, I'm going to go somewhere, maybe that you don't want me to go before I finish, but don't get tired, all right? Don't look at the, your watch, don't look at your, your the, you know, your clock. Just wait on the Lord and let the Lord inform you. Yeah. In Galatians 5, 16, Paul says, I say then, he's talking to the people at Galatia, he says, walk in the Spirit. It's a command. He's saying to people who are in the Spirit, who are filled with the Spirit of God, walk in the Spirit. So have a lifestyle of walking in the Spirit. But so many in the world now, and America's full of them, all right, America's full of them, and I'm not a, an American hater. I always remind people that in my family, we stood up for the national anthem in our house when we were watching a baseball game. I wonder how many of y'all did that. We stood up, standing up. I can see myself right now, standing up in there, uh, attention for the national anthem. So don't ever think I'm anti-American just because I tell the truth. All right? All right. So he said he's commanding, walk in the spirit, and listen what he tells you the results. And you shall not 
fulfill the lust of the flesh. So he's saying if you're walking in the spirit, you will never be able to walk in the flesh at the same time. Man, you, you and I are empowered by God to do the work of God. The work of God, wow. The work of God is the word of God, is the lifestyle of Jesus Christ in the earth. So God wants us to do his work. God wants us to disseminate to all who he is and what he has done through Jesus Christ. Not once in a while, but that should be our lifestyle. This is what Paul is saying, walk in the spirit, walk in it. So it is a command. Now you're not drawing on resources that you do not have. You're drawing on the resources that God has given to you. That according is kata. It means it came from above. Didn't come from your neighbor. It came from heaven itself. It came from the very throne of God. So I want every believer here and every believer watching to know that you have been empowered by God. So he says, verse 2, for the law of the spirit of life. Okay, there's another law. He's been talking about uh, the, the, the Ten Commandments, the law, the, old t uh, the Torah, the first five books of Moses, the law, and, he, and eventually the whole te Old Testament. Well, sometimes it, they differentiate it between the law and the prophets, but also the law. It all basically covers the law in some way. And so that law governs sinful men. He's, he's, he's told us about that. It governs sinful men. It basically said, you are a sinner, you know, and so you were condemned. You are a sinner. But he says, for the law of the spirit of life. So there's another law that we didn't find operating in our lives, and it was called the law of the spirit of life but in Christ Jesus. So that law of the spirit of life is found in one person. Brother John told us that 117 billion people from the first creation of the world, there's an estimated 117 billion, not a firm figure, but an estimated 117 billion people, and only one of them had the law of the spirit of life in them. So that tells you the whole world should be running after Jesus. You and I have Jesus, and we're running after the world. Hey, man, we, we, we've got to do better than that. Look into, the, you know, I've said this before. You know, I can understand the blind leading the blind. You're both blind. One thinks maybe you're a little less blind. But I'll tell you what gets me is the seeing of following the blind. I've said that to you half a dozen times. The seeing, you're the seeing and you're following the blind. All these stuff that's in the world. Why? Because you drank the Kool-Aid. I drank some too when I was a child. <laughs> For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has, past tense, made me free from the law of sin and death. Wow. Wow. He freed you into freedom. Made you free from that law of sin and death. So that law of Moses, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. You do this, this is a curse, curse, curse. He said, God has brought you from that realm. He's brought you from that sphere. So why do you keep peeking in the window? trying to see what you, what do you miss about that old life? Yeah. When whatever ugly thing that came to your mind, you know, you were probably doing or, or just saying, oh, I don't want to do it. Yeah, but you were still doing those crazy things. And you had no help. But God has now sent you the help that comes from God. Amen. 
He sent you Jesus Christ. Wow. He made you free. He didn't just set you free. Setting, setting free is great. You know, if I was, had chains on me and somebody set me free, I'd be great. But when God makes you free, he makes you free from the inside until it manifests on the outside. Yes, yes, yes. So, he freed you from the law of sin and death. Romans 6, 18. Romans 6, 18. Let's look at Romans 6, 18. We're going back to chapter 6. He says, Paul says, and having been set free or made free, I'm using New King James. New King James says set free, but I'm saying because setting free does have a, a connotation. I like the made free better in the King James Version. Uh, it is made free. He's always saying you were made free, made free, made free, because I think that is, uh, is the, the, the greater um, thought in the, that word. It's, it's the greater influence in that word, that you and I were made to be something by God, not just shoot, skedaddle, and you're that. So he did a work, and he uh, released you into freedom. So he's made me free from sin, okay? And having been set free or made free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. And so God says, you were a slave of sin, but now you are a slave of righteousness. You and I beforehand served sin. You said, well, I was a good person. You were a fairly nice person here and there, and you, but you served sin. Now that you are a good person, uh, you can serve righteousness. And so what we're to do is always to serve righteousness. This is how I live my life out among men. I serve righteousness. And I found that, that the older I've gotten, the more bold I've begotten, I've, I've become. I didn't begot boldness. Didn't, be, didn't beget boldness. Yeah, it wasn't my doing. But I became, I've become more, more bold and bold because I, I realized I am now, I am now uh, a slave of the right thing. So when I'm in the public sphere, I'm not there to help them do what they think ought to be done. And I am not there to do what even some Christians who are quote-unquote Christians, quote-unquote, are working in the public sphere. I'm not there to do what they think I ought to do. I am there to do what Jesus says I am to do. I'm a Jesus man. If you don't like Jesus, you won't like me. All right. So let's look at Romans 6.20. All right, Romans 6.20. He says, for when you were slaves of sin, that's past tense, brothers and sisters. When you were slaves of sin, you and I are not. What are we slaves of? Come on, say it like you believe it. Righteousness. righteousness. So we're slaves of righteousness. Uh, but he says, for when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. And what he says is, you did not live in the, in the realm of righteousness. You were free. You were just living in the in the the sphere of sin and condemnation. But he says, when you were, let me go find it again. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. Let's look at verse 22, Romans 6, 22. But now, can you say that with me, but now? But now. Having been set free or made free from sin, you and I have been made free from sin, having been made free from sin, and having become Slaves of God. You're slaves of righteousness, therefore now you are slaves of God. That means you live in a whole new sphere. A whole new sphere. You're slaves of God. And you have your fruit now 
to a holiness and the end everlasting life. And so he says that you and I are trees of righteousness. Every believer, every born-again believer, every spirit-filled believer is now a tree of righteousness. Isn't that big? Wow. That's so huge. And so, listen, why am I teaching these things? Number one, because the Lord told me to. But I am also teaching them so that you and I will know how we are to grow in this pagan atmosphere. Do you know that we live in a pagan atmosphere? The Romans live, the Roman Christians live in pagan Rome. Rome. There were, there were uh, sinful things all around them. So Paul is writing this by the unction of the Holy Spirit so they will grow properly. I, I, listen, let me just say this. Okay, you know, you know Don Lavelle. I love you. I love everybody. Because God made me to love people. He made me to love people. When I was in my 20s, the Lord spoke it into me. He told me that he wanted a church where all of his kids, children, he said, could worship me together. And I heard, I heard him. And I said, Lord, I will do it. But I don't know how. He said, love everyone who comes through your doors. And I thought he was giving me something to do, but he didn't. I found out a couple of decades later, he had spoken it into me. Uh, uh, slow learner, but I learned. So, so I'm saying, I love you all. But, but so many Christians are thinking that they are using carnal weapons going to change things in our nation. You're wrong. You cannot change things being like the, the wretched sinners. When Paul talks about, who will deliver me from this body of death? He was saying, all these contradictions, all this crazy stuff. He said, I thank God through Jesus Christ. You know, so, so he thanked God through Christ Jesus. Why? Because he called this thing a body of death. He said, oh, wretched man that I am. So you cannot change what you want to see change by doing and following those who don't know the answer. All right. So where am I? So you became slaves of God, and your fruit is to, uh, is to holiness and the end, everlasting life. And this is what, what the, the imagery I have is that we're trees of righteousness, and we grow all this wonderful fruit, just like peace and joy and long-suffering and patience. We're growing all this amazing fruit. Have you ever seen a beautiful tree or, or a beautiful flowering plant? And you say, wow, isn't that beautiful? That's what you are doing right now. And you are doing all of that. And so the Lord is saying to us, okay, but the end is everlasting life. So you need to know who you are and what God has given to you. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 15, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 45. Paul says here, and so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The, the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. And so what he, want, he contrasts these two. Sometimes there's a comparison, but mostly there's a contrast between the first Adam. He became a living being, and then he transferred all of his sin and guilt to all of us and his disobedience to all of us. But God be thanked, God be praised, there was someone called the last Adam. Jesus is not called the second Adam. doesn't matter who says the second Adam because you can infer if Jesus were the second Adam that there could be a third Adam down the line and a fourth Adam and a fifth Adam. But Jesus has finished this thing for all of us. He's the last Adam. 
And there are two federal heads, the, the first atom and the last atom. The first atom is the federal head of a, of, a, of a humanity that's sinful, that's wicked, that's condemned, but the last atom. Wow. He is the head of a, of a people group, of a, of, a, of a humanity wherein dwells this life eternal life. And so he calls him, he became a life-giving spirit. And he gives this eternal life to all of us. Zoe life, not biological life. Zoe life, not just existence, but Zoe life. That is the very life of God. So all of us who are here today are experiencing the life of God. <clears throat> but we need to lay hold of it, apprehend it. Amen? Amen. Okay, let's look at, at Romans 7, 24, 25, one more time. <laughs> Paul says, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Then he says, so then with the mind. He's not talking about the carnal mind. He is talking about that new regenerated self in, in, within you. He said, so then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God. Those are faculties. We call them faculties that God gives you when you are born again. That is, they are a new way of thinking, a new way of acting, a new way of discerning things. He gives you that. And so with that, he says, we serve the law of God. I serve the law of God. But he tells you that if you don't conform to God, what will you do? But with the flesh, the law of sin. So you'll serve one. Uh, somebody wrote a song. You got to, it was Bob Dylan years ago. You remember that song Bob Dylan wrote? I met my children remember I used to play it all the time with He said, you're going to serve somebody. May be the devil, may be the Lord, but you're going to serve somebody. Bob Dylan's the only person we, uh, we, we let talk our songs. You know, uh, I, everybody else, I want them to sing. But old Bob, Bob talked them all. But he said, you're going to serve somebody. And I believe maybe that song came out of this understanding. He says, uh, but with the flesh, the law of sin. So when you are walking in, the fle in fleshly things, uh, the law of sin. But Paul has said earlier, uh, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus because those who are in Christ Jesus do not have a lifestyle of flesh. Are you still with me? Yeah. It says, for what the law could not do. Do you know, can you tell me what the law, you don't have to, but do you know what the law could not do? So Paul says, what the law could not do, what the law could not do, could not make you righteous. Okay? The law could not make you righteous. It could tell you you were unrighteous, it could, but it did that. The law was designed to do that. Why? To drive you to Christ. Amen. To say, God, help me. Help me, God. And I've said that multiple times in my life, even after I've been saved. Help me, Jesus, all right? So the law could not make you righteous in that it was weak through the flesh. That is, your flesh is where the problem dwelt. All of this sinfulness and ungodliness, it was there. And that's why God gave them the sacrificial system where they could go to God and say, God, I didn't mean to sin. I, I didn't mean to sin. I, I sinned, but I wasn't trying to, God. You know, because that's how Men who are unregenerate do. That, by the ladies, I mean the women too, all right? 
But that's how they do. They, they, all, they sin, sin, sin. They're not like you. So why should you give up what God has given to you through his son to follow them? That's what I'm saying. I'm not telling you to go and tell your boss you quit. All right? That's not what I'm saying. So, so what the law uh, could not do, God did by sending his own son. This is amazing. God, that's not a second idea God had. It was before the foundation of the world, before time began, God set his son aside, as it were, to be the propitiation, the mercy seat for our sin. So it wasn't like God said, oh, this didn't work, so let me try that. No, no, not, never, never. But God did by sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. So well, that means that Jesus was not sinful flesh, but he was in our likeness. Jesus is the only person who was born sinless and remained sinless. The first Adam was created sinless, but became sinful. Jesus is the only person who was born sinless, walked his whole life, never had a wicked thought. I sure want to follow that one. And if there's anybody in here who's never had a wicked thought, stand up right now and come preach. Never had. And so he did what the law could not do. What did he do? Uh, he um, um, condemned sin in the flesh. Therefore, he made us righteous. He made us righteous. May I read uh, 2 Corinthians 5.21? Uh, 2 Corinthians, thank you. It says, for he, God the Father, made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. This is how you came to this great salvific experience to where you are not like, the, like your unsaved neighbors. You are not like the people. Am I saying, oh, I'm better than you? No, I'm not saying that. Because being, being saved is not because of you. It's because of God the Father sending God the Son to, and giving us his grace that led us to faith and then to more grace in which we now stand and have our activity. Hallelujah, somebody. So, so God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become something that we might become something, the righteousness of God. I say unequivocally, without hesitation, without vacillation, without doubt, if you're in Christ, you have become the righteousness of God in Christ. I know this, God cannot fail. I told you about the old Pentecostal church I grew up in. They said, they would testify and they would say, God, you can do anything but fail. You cannot fail. And so God will not fail to get you to your destination, to the throne of God. He will not fail. I said God will not fail. Sometimes I have felt in my life, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make it. I had too much fire in my belly. I'm not going to make it. Because I know somebody's going to make me mad. But how can somebody make me mad when God has made me free? But I thought somebody's going to do it. 
And I'm going to miss the throne. But God told me one day, he spoke to me and he said, I'm going to get you to the throne. I am going to get you to the throne. Because he has, he, we, go ahead. He made Jesus to be sin for us that you and I might become the righteousness of God in Christ. Let's read Galatians 3.13. Galatians 3.13. He says, Christ has redeemed us. He bought you, removed you out of that realm, out of that sphere. God, Christ has redeemed us from the what? Curse of the law. The law condemning us, judging us, worthless sinners, says Christ redeemed us, having become a curse for us. And he uses the term, again, as it is written, for it is written. I love that, for it is written. You know what that means? It cannot be negated. It cannot be changed. What God said about you, he wrote it. And that's it, para siempre. Por los siglos a los siglos, I love saying that. Forever and ever. Hallelujah. And so he redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For he's written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. And he shows us graphically by Jesus Christ being exposed to death on the cross for all the universe to see, not just the world. And he was carrying not his own sin, but yours. Every sin that you've ever committed, he carried it there. Hallelujah. I mean, you've got you to exult in Christ for that. You've got to exult in Christ for that. Every sin you have ever committed or will commit it, he died for. And he didn't only die for you, he died as you. So it is my view that we ought to then give ourselves totally to God, totally God, forever, forever. Let me just say a few things, um, and then we'll, we'll, we'll receive our communion. The, the law cannot, at this juncture, condemn you. I want you to know, some people believe in that law because Christ has already suffered condemnation for you. He's already suffered condemnation for you. That doesn't mean you have a license. Churches around the globe are one extreme or the other. And I want you to just keep listening to me for about three, or five, three, three to five minutes. Legalism or license. License says, well, just come to church. It's all right. Basically, keep doing what you're doing. You can lead our praise and worship. It doesn't matter that you sing at the bar on Saturday night. That's all right. You can, you can be on the praise team. It doesn't matter if you're fornicating and committing adultery. It's okay. Just come. We'll keep coming. Or legalism. If you sin at all, sit down. That means the preacher needs to. We just need to wait on Lord, the Lord. He's already suffered your condemnation. The law could not save you. Never forget that. When you, when you go toward legalism, the, the law could not save you. It could only condemn you. It can only tell you how bad you are. That's why so many Christians don't grow. It's because they're looking back at how bad they were. I know. I, I lived a pretty decent life, mostly. But the thing, some things that I did and said... They bothered me for, for decades. I hated them. I said, God, I wish I had never sinned at all. I wish I had been born without sin. Why? Because I saw the stench of it, the ugliness of it. And I knew that Jesus, my Savior, died for me. And he died as me. 
and he brought me to a place where I could forgive myself. Forgive myself, what the law could not do. God did. And he sent his son to save you. And he did what the law was unable to do. Jesus came to earth, came as a man. He did not come in sinful flesh. He came in the likeness of it. That means that Jesus could walk among us and we would not have known who Jesus was. We wouldn't have known that he was a sinless lamb of God. Let me tell you all something. Right now, we are people who are walking filled with the Spirit of God. We're God people. Now listen, don't, don't go out and say, I say we are God. I did not. But we are sons of God. So that means we're God people. We have the, the living God, the uncreated life, living inside our frame. And, and our neighbors don't even know it. Listen to what I'm trying to say to you. That's why this time period we are living in, God is saying to the church, come out from among them and be separate. Not snooty. Not, not thinking, I'm better than you. No. Except for the grace of God, there go I. But he's telling us to come out. I will, I will, have, I will have no other gods before him. Amen. Yahweh. Jesus Christ, Jesucristo, Yeshua, and you must not either. There are a lot of good, quote-unquote, causes in the world. There are a lot of good causes in our nation, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Of any. I get my directions from him, from heaven. According to heaven's plan. And that's what I'm saying to the whole church around the world. And I know beyond any shadow of a doubt, it is the word of God. It is the plan of God to have a pure people walking just like Jesus walked among all those sinners. And they never knew. And I'm going to tell you what they did. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, they, they, they were supposedly God's people. But just because of the nation of Israel, my nation, my nation, my nation, they killed the Son of God. I will not follow them. I will not follow them. And I'm saying to you, don't follow. That's about as bold as I've ever been. He bore our sins on the cross. Galatians 4 tells us, 4, 4 through 7. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman. I wish I had 30 minutes to talk about that. Born of, of a woman, not of a man. God used the womb of a woman to place the Logos that brought forth my Savior. Born under the law. Only one who ever kept it. To redeem those who were under the law you and me, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, because you are, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, our hearts, crying out, Abba, Father, Therefore, you are no longer a slave, a slave to sin, 
a slave to this world system. You're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. You're a son of God. You're adopted, but that's not why you are a son. You're a son, firstly, because you were born of the Spirit. That made us actually sons of God, being born of the Spirit. When God adopted you, when he adopted you, he gave you the right to enjoy sonship right now. As an adult son of God, you can do the family business right now as a son of God. You're not a son of God by adoption into the family. Yeah, he adopted you, but he gave you rights and privileges that nothing in this world's sphere can negate.